Hi everyone, and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast where every Thursday we explore what's hidden behind the scenes of the thought leaders and the most impressive disruptive minds working in sustainability. We are kickstarting 2021 with an interview on healthy, sustainable corporate cultures and awakened capitalism. Today with us we have Catherine Bell from the Awakened Company. Catherine is a successful entrepreneur, business leader, active community advocate, team manager, parent volunteer, and formerly on the board of the Calgary Distress Center. She is the co-founder of Blue Era, a profit 500 firm, and the founder of The Awakened Company. The Awakened Company is a movement and best-selling and award-winning book. It was rated as one of the top business books of 2015 and a top book on mindfulness and business. Thought leaders and you know top celebrities like Tony Shea and um, Anthony Robbins gave it the, the best five stars rating. I was very curious to speak with Catherine and to, to get from her what she means by Awakened capitalism, what is awaiting us in 2021 and beyond? What are the changes we should be expecting and preparing for in sustainability, in corporate world, um, and so on? Very excited uh, to have Catherine with us today. Let's get it started. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Sustainability Explored. I know that the Awakened Company and the book is not the only thing you put your mind and energy into. What else is there and how was your way into sustainability? Well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me. It's just a joy to be with you today. I am passionate about being a catalyst for awakening and for radiating love, wisdom, and power. In particular, igniting more of the feminine principles around the creation of healthy cultures. So obviously, I'm very busy with the Awakened Company. As well, I have a role with the Canadian Centre for the purpose of the corporation with thought leaders from Canada, looking at what is really the purpose of business. I'm an advisor with the Impact Society, which helps to awaken children. As well, I have a very special pet project called The Awaken Project, which helps to raise money for female entrepreneurs to start their own businesses. I'm a mother and I'm a passionate volunteer in our community. And I just feel like now more than ever is a time for us to awaken something new. It's like there's been tons of fissures in our society, tons of cracks, and everything is kind of being, in many ways, kind of blown open for how do we look at things, how do we be with things, and, and how to create a more sustainable way of being and doing in the world. So uh, those are some of the things that I'm really, really interested in, really interested in speaking about. I'm particularly interested in creating new contexts. So perhaps we can talk about that in the podcast. Yes, absolutely. But first about the name and the, the meaning of the book. You wrote a book, it came out in 2015, so five years ago. Did you anticipate the trend or is it just me who started seeing the need for this awakening, mindfulness, consciousness in doing business 
just recently in 2020, so five years later after you released your book into the world? So the book actually, it took over seven years to write the book. So the book was in process for a very, very long time. And business books typically have a life shelf of about six months. And The Awakening Company is currently still being sold. And it really is, I was sitting in a dimly lit cafe in New York City, and the name Awakening Company just dropped in. And I said to my colleague, Carolyn, I'm like, Carolyn, you know, I think I have to write a book called The Awakening Company. So I started on this journey and it kept on unfolding because things at Blue Arrow, we did things radically differently at the time. For example, we were doing mindfulness over a decade ago. We were doing yoga over a decade ago. We were focused on sustainability over a decade ago. So I really wanted to write and share about our experiences and our clients' experiences with it, as well as there's three pillars in the Awaken Company. It's business research, practical know-how and wisdom traditions. So I also weaved in tons of business research into the book as well. I reached out to people like the CEO of Patagonia, Rosemar Cario, Otto Sharma from MIT. And I wanted to create kind of a, a confluence of, of influences to help business leaders create a new way of being and doing. The reception has been, has been very, you know, it's amazing five years ago. Like that's five years ago. And now I think it's probably the most poignant time to read The Awakening Company. Like people will get it now. They'll see what I was actually speaking about. And when you hear about like organizations that focus on ESG, their performance is way higher. It's like when we focus on our internal state and our internal way of being and doing, it reflects in the external, which then helps everybody. Yes, the reception has been awesome. So apparently it really shook some ground. The awakening, the name, and you know what else I noticed on the website? A weird word that I had to Google before our interview, Enneagram. And mm. I understood it has some philosophical connotation. I even Googled further into uh, Georgi Gurdjieff philosophies. How did it happen that there is a, a bigger and more solid ground for the philosophy that you write about in the book? So the Enneagram is an ancient system. <clears throat> I was taught the Enneagram, part of me, when I was about 15 years old by my aunt and my mom. My mom and aunt were really into the Enneagram. And at first I was like, oh, come on, just enough, enough, enough. And, you know, and then I kind of fell in love with it because to me, when people speak of presence, it's great to say, okay, be in your body. And unless we have a roadmap to see what our habitual patterns are, it's very, very, very challenging to actually be in our bodies, to be here now. So the Enneagram really provides a roadmap for leaders for how do we be more self-aware. And what the research shows us, Anna, is the more self-aware we are, the higher performing we are. So I'm currently working with the thought leader in the Enneagram, Russ Hudson, on a series of webinars to help people really awaken themselves. And the Enneagram informed the Awakening Company. And that's actually one of the key reasons why I believe that it has stood the test of time, because it has the wisdom traditions, almost like the foundation of the mansion. So as a foundation of the mansion, it's like it's all built on steady ground. And that's why the book has survived so long, because these wisdom traditions are feeding into and informing my thought around how do we create a more, more awakened companies and a more awakened society. 
I'd recommend every leader get familiar with it, hop on our webinars. It's truly profound. What does it mean to be awakened as a company? A company means number of people, everyone, you know, in divisions, in departments, everyone is doing their own little part that all together they create a product or service that is of value to, to the society, hopefully. What does it mean to be an awakened company? What are the main components? How to become one? So let's think of a drop of water, Anna. So think of a drop of water. The drop comes in and it ripples out. So the first drop is we awaken ourselves. So I'm going to just give some practical hints here as to how to do it. When I work with CEOs, it typically can take a while to unravel all of this, but I'm going to give you the, the kind of the structure, the backbone. So first of all, we begin with I am. And what do I actually stand for? So having leaders and everybody in the organization know what they take a stand for. And they repeat that as they go through doorways, as they sit down. So there's constant reinforcement, constant food for the soul to remind them who and what they are. So they do an I am statement. They can use the Enneagram as an informant to that I am statement. I suggest every leader have centering or mindfulness practices as well as know whether they're coming from an awakened place or a sleep place. We all know when we're coming from our below the line, a sleepy, sleepy place versus awake place. So those are three hints for awakening ourselves. Then the next ripple in, in the ocean or in the lake is our relatedness. And in terms of relatedness, it's not necessarily our role, it's rather our connection. So are we being heartful? Are we being connecting at each other's heart levels? Are we being mindful? Are we having clear communication? Are we being spacious? Are we respecting our own autonomy? So in terms of relationships, now most people don't spend enough time in the relationship field. And the most disengaged employees are those who have, uh, are, aren't noticed at all. Then those who are negatively noticed. And then the most engaged are those that are positively noticed. So in our relationships, the simple act of saying how awesome somebody is already elevates the field. Then the third ripple is awakening our organization and our teams and then our communities. So in terms of our organizations and our teams, three pillars I want people to think of. Energize. So when I say energize, I'm meaning, do you know your vision? Do you know your nurse star? Do you have your, your action plans? Do you have the celebratory energy? Then the, the second pillar is to sustain. And these are our values, our corporate structures, and holding it all to hold what hold the glue that holds us all together. And the last, which I argue in the Awakening Company five years ago, that we weren't regenerating enough. We weren't spending enough time in the pause. And in many ways, I think COVID has put forced us into this regenerative space, which has been so needed. And that's the time to sit back, reflect, let innovation and creativity wash all over us. So those, those are the pillars. So we help to create strategies with souls and we're all about the culture of creation and building organizations that have this culture space because what the research shows us is that if we put two thirds emphasis on corporate culture, and one third on financial results, that's where alchemy happens. However, what's been happening is there's too much emphasis on the financial and not enough on the culture, that, which is the more feminine aspects, it's more mercurial. And yet what gets measured get managed so we can measure culture. So things like uh, engagement, things like are we living our values, things like is our performance reviews reflected in our values? 
you know, that's what I mean by, by culture. What you just mentioned led me to, to this question. How do you measure the culture, the engagement? How do you know that you're achieving results in the corporation? What are the metrics? So this is where it gets really juicy and it comes alive because in finances, it's so linear. So everyone knows their cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. Like that fairly clear line. Whereas culture, I believe, needs to be defined by the people in the organization. And then once it's defined in terms of values, in terms of what is important, then you put metrics around it. So let me give an example. One organization speaks of a value of innovation. So then are they hiring based on people who have innovative values? Are they putting their performance metrics around who, who's innovative? And just, it can, it can be the smallest things. It doesn't have to be this big, long survey. I've seen huge success with organizations who put value on three cultural metrics. And it's interesting though, it can't be one size fits all. So when people think it's one size fits all, you've got, it's off. It's off. This is more about the, it's more about the regeneration. It's more about the innovation, the creativity and creating a field of uh, space uh, for those in your organization. For example, one of our values is passion at the Awaken Company. And I just did, we just did a video. We did one video and we we're talking about how do you deal with COVID stress? And we all, some of us, it wasn't the whole team, but some of us got on there and we talked about how you deal with COVID stress. And then one of my teammates said, Kath, we didn't live our values. We were not passionate. We were so flat on that. So we did a redo. So I put on the YouTube, the original one, and then the redo so that people can see kind of the dynamism, like, and to catch ourselves in the act of not living our culture, not living our values. So that's another example. Yeah. Sometimes, and most often speaking from the experience uh, Companies hire on the basis, we have this position, we need it filled now or better yesterday. They don't look into, you know, here is our code of conduct, uh, here is our values, even three of them. Do you really correspond? Do you feel you fit here? No, they need to find the person and, you know, put it back, put it straight into the, the working process. No one really on board what needs to happen and where in the organization so that the management, I suppose, the company understands, no, okay, stop, this doesn't work. We want these values to be integrated in our business operations. We want to live and stand by these values. We want to be completely different. I think COVID is pushing our, us all towards that direction. The old ways, they don't work. So how to be new one, how to, survive the crisis, regenerate and thrive. As you know, I spent decades doing executive search. So I have searched for literally hundreds and thousands of senior leadership positions. And for us to just take a pause, to just take a deep breath. Remember the ripple that I spoke of? First, we begin with awakening ourselves. So just to take a deep breath and to think, to really clearly think. And in that thought, then something else can enter and we can be more deliberate. Um, so people are hired for technical skills and fired for personality. So I think just look, just knowing that 
is, okay, I need to put more weight on the personal characteristics. A lot of people, the right people can be taught to do many things, but if you don't have the right kind of growth mindset, the, the mindset of learning, the mindset of developing, the mindset of open field, then you're not gonna go anywhere. It, you will become like in Zoom, the little box, you know? And what we want is more of a, you know, a learning growing organism. I am also, what's interesting is I'm against kind of the relentless pursuit of more, which I think is a really important thing that we talk about. I think we all have to look at how much is enough and to define that for ourselves in this, in this process and, and during this time in particular. But back to your question, though, Anna, which was a very good one, is first weave it into everything, weave the cultural components into everything that we do. And it doesn't take, you will save yourself a ton of time in the long run, but in the short term, you may, it may take a little bit more time. Right. Now back to your question, how to be disruptive? Uh, as you know, I'm on this Canadian Center for the Purpose of the Corporation. Over 3,000 Canadians studied Canadians are wanting a reform to capitalism and they rate environmental and social issues ahead of financial issues. Uh, so I really think in many ways, we have to look at the root of our society, the roots of our society right now. A radical reform to capitalism needs to be done. So the short-termism of capitalism needs a reset because there's too much focus on the short term versus our, our long window for future generations. And we really need to get our, our line of sight on what is for the best for the future. So I am very interested in every organization having a true purpose. And some things to consider is that what problem are you actually solving as a business? So what are you actually solving as a business? And what are you doing to ensure that you're not doing any harm to the environment or to people or to animals you know like what what are we doing so and at the same time we need to look at markets markets are false we think that markets are accurate no they're not accurate we've been showing that a number of times markets are inaccurate governments are inaccurate so what can we do about it we need to take a stand the i am statement that i said about the first drop Take a stand for what we believe in and start focusing more on the longer term. I believe capitalism, we need a blend of both socialism and capitalism. And I'm not meaning, I'm not meaning communism. I'm meaning we need to focus on the collective good and individual rights. So it's a combination. And this is like, I have two kids and I want a different world for them and their friends 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 for all children. And we're only going to do that by focusing more on the longer term on what is in the best interest for all. And so there, in terms of disruptive, let's start talking about a redo to short-term capitalism, longer vision, and for businesses really to start to define what their purpose is and to stand by that purpose. As soon as most companies shift from putting financials above environmental, sustainable, are we doing the right thing? Is it enough or are we overusing, abusing the ecosystem, the planetary boundaries and so on? The mindset shift will come or maybe it even has to come before, before that. Because what you're describing, Canadians value environment, put environment above financial indices, let's call it this way. This is not happening everywhere in the world. 
I feel like somewhere, including Eastern Europe, where I am based, people are still hungry for financial uh, benefits. Does it have something to do with the Maslow pyramid? You know, first I need to cover my basic needs and then maybe I will start thinking about bigger collective community environment. Okay, so where does this mindset shift enter this phase? This is a very, very, very good question. And I just had uh, something flashed in front of me that I actually think Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there's something, there's something that needs to be changed. I almost think it's a quite a masculine when you think of it, the pyramid. Let's start thinking in a circle. And I, you know, last year for the fellowship I had at uh, Huskane School of Business, I gave the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. the question that the, to me, how do we, how do we look at where he was and look how he found meaning? So I think we need to start thinking circularly instead of hierarchically. I think we actually need both. And I think there's an invitation to really think circularly. I think everyone can connect with their spirit, with themselves. Let's not even call it spirit. Let's just call it connect with their own awareness. Everybody has that opportunity to connect with their own awareness. So connecting with our own awareness, then it will unfold different things for us, no matter where we are in life and then eventually i do believe the inner and the outer our inner experiences and expressed in our outer knowledge so i think it's a heart and mind set as you were alluding to anna i really really do and the research is available online so i'd encourage everybody to go and look at that research because i really think it's the way the future of business right you mentioned a couple of times now the feminine perspective, the feminine standpoint, the view on things from the feminine perspective. What do you mean? Could you expand a little bit? Yes. So even, even our bringing our hands together like this is mm-hmm. the uniting of the masculine and the feminine. So the left is often, I'm also trained in yoga, which you may or may not know, but I'm trained in yoga. The left is typically our, our feminine side. The right is more of our masculine side. And it's like the logic with the creative. The moving ocean with the moon. And to get practical, it's like, okay, financials would be more masculine. Culture is more feminine. And I think we need to bring humanity back into organizations. And the humanity is more of our feminine side. And everybody has a masculine and a feminine side. And Russ, who the Enneagram leader says, oh, the feminine is about context, the holding of context, which is more the longer term, which is what we're speaking about for our children and everybody else's children and, and animals. And so it's more about the holding of a larger context. And it's not as linear. It's not as easy to hold on to. And we need to bring voice to it, Anna. We need to bring voice to it. We need to start talking about it. Maybe not necessarily the feminine. We need, don't need to go around talking about the feminine business. What we need to, our, how's our culture? How's our connectedness in our organization? How are we getting along? How's our community? Those are very, very, very important topics. Do you think the governmental sector versus private companies have more advantage? to integrate this awakened system or vice versa? 
it, it needs a private ownership uh, one owner one yeah the owner the top management someone who really cares about his business himself and he knows where he's going and why he's doing what he's doing or the governmental ngo sector governmental uh, companies sector that is not privately owned sometimes state-owned sometimes i don't know funded who is most susceptible to to this change both can be receptive absolutely uh, both can be receptive it's about the the mindset now of course if an organization is let's say 100 years old or 200 years old or whatever it, the the creation of change within that system will be different than the entrepreneur because the entrepreneur can embed it in the foundation of their their house or of their castle whereas the the kind of the solidity of government that kind of that that patriarchal structure if it is patriarchal can be a bit more challenging to to change because you're not building something you're having to redo and we all kind of don't like being changed somebody said to me the other day you know Kath, the only thing that likes to be changed is a is a baby with a dirty diaper so I think you know we have to hold that kind of light attitude as we go about creating systemic change is that let's make it fun let's make it joyous and in it will all be better is it, without that attitude and that's another thing we've got to begin with the intention back to the I am so that our actions are are manifested from that intention because or else it can feel kind of hard and sticky and not so nice so the attitude of joy as we go about creating a new world it's pretty exciting. I heard another saying, um, start being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. For me, that's mm -hmm. the definition of growth. And me, I'm that baby with a diaper. I love the change because for me, it equals growth. It equals, you know, everything that is old, outdated and is not working anymore has to die. Something new is coming up. And yes, it's painful but it's always worth it. It's, it's true. It's very true. It's, um, I find now to be, tell me if you feel the same way, to be a time of great hope. Like I feel more energized than I have in years. Why is that? How do you think? Because people are more open. There's more receptivity. Despite um, being more isolated? This, well, and what's interesting is so I feel this way. However, if you look at the statistics, suicide ideation has gone way up. Depression has gone way up. People at work are less happy. So, and yet for me, I find it hopeful because hopefully in that we're taking, we're reflecting the mirror back on ourselves saying, what is really going on here? And what is really, really foundationally important? And, you know, speaking of being uncomfortable, I'll say something uncomfortable, but for me, it's all about like, are we really loving each other? And I'm kind of uncomfortable saying that. So I have to walk my talk and lean into discomfort uh, is, are we really showing up and loving each other and caring about one another? Because at the end of the day, I know when I die and I think every leader should do this, you need to write your own eulogy. Everyone should write their own eulogy and live from that, that place. And you know, what kind of impact have you had on the hearts and minds of other people? And that's really, really what it's all about. So bringing that, you know, every leader should write their own eulogy and to remember how much did I really love and how much was I really actually in, in the world and not in my egoic trap of the world. I often think the other day I was thinking about it 
And I feel like some days, like a great artist, we're all like, there's an outline of a painting and we're all just waiting to be filled in moment by moment. And how do we allow that filling in to actually happen? And so that we can really serve humanity and serve the planet in a very, very real and kind way. Absolutely, it's all about values. Making money for the sake of money, me, I personally get bored very fast. It gets old very fast for me. What's the point? Where are we going? What's the goal? But bigger goal, not to, to, to live in a bigger, better house and have a bigger, better car. Am I serving the community? Am I useful? Is my business useful? Am I covering someone's needs? And so on and so forth. Would you name or do you know of any awakened companies? So I first, one of the things I'm trying to get away from is that often we all look to big brands and put big brands. And I want your listeners to really hear this, that they can be and are the beacon of hope that they are, uh, you know, the awakened company, the awakening company. Yes, there are examples like Patagonia, like Zappos, like there's many, many, many examples. And I really want people to invite their own pathway, invite their own rivers to really becoming this themselves. Because in the creation of context and creation of culture, it's an individual journey. So don't, you can look at what other people are doing. You know, when I spoke to Zappos, I love, they said something, it was amazing what she said. She said, you know, Kath, we do R&D, rip off and duplicate. And so I think to an extent, everybody can do R&D. Like, oh, that works in this culture, this works in that culture. And we must find our own river pathways as organizations uh, and we can do it. It's like what, and my mentor, one of my mentors says to me, Julian Byling, he says, what's the smallest thing we can do? And just to focus, continually focus on awakening and on what is the smallest thing we can do today, right now. Beautiful words. It's so true. You mentioned earlier in this episode about capitalism. What's wrong with the current model of the capitalism and what needs to be changed? Oh, where do we begin? First, okay, the short-termism needs to change, i.e. the length of the quarters, because you know what? It also creates the undue pressures on senior leaders. There is so much pressure on leaders. Like, so short-termism needs to change. Uh, the way people are paid within organizations needs to change. It's not okay that the CEO makes a gazillion times more than the average page worker. So we need to confront these things. We need to confront... We need to confront some hard truths and look at who's in power and we need to change who's in power and be more inclusive uh, and more diverse and more equitable. These things need to happen. So, for example, with Blue Era, uh, sh uh, starting in 2008, one of the most difficult times to start a business, you know, it then went on to grow. But for the first little while, Shahana and I did not take a salary. Everyone else was paid but us. So leaders need to start building trust by doing things like being paying fairly. Like this is not rocket science. We did on the middle vacation. That's an example of trust. We trust you to do your job without having to micromanage people. Give people back a sense of control and a sense of meaning. So in other words, what I'm asking Anna is for a change inside and outside. This is a systemic change that I think is gonna take decades 
<laughs> to happen. And yet we need to begin talking about it. And it's uncomfortable to speak of. I was on a call the other day with uh, hundreds of CEOs and I spoke about how we need to change these things. I was not comfortable speaking about it because they were the people I'm asking to create the change. And there was some resistance, yes. <laughs> and that's okay. We need to come up against it, right? Into our discomfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expected, quite expected. What are your, speaking of expectations, what are your expectations uh, in regards to the awakening, mindfulness, conscious cultures, healthy, sustainable cultures in and for 2021? All things considered. Well, first of all, let's welcome 2021 in. Let's just, you know, uh, begin with appreciation for being here and welcome 2021 in. And there's an invitation for all of us to bring our most awakened selves to the table and our most awakened relationships and our most awakened teams and organizations. And we do that, it can just be taking one breath at a time. You know, just one breath at a time, one, exactly, Anna, exactly. Breath and your physiology changes, your state completely changes. And exactly, and so how do we, and with everything we do with our relationships, give it that one breath with our teams, give it that one breath. And you can even use different, um, different practices. Like you can use your fingers. Okay. I'm remembering to be here. I'm remembering who I am. I'm remembering what I stand for. And my, one of my teachers said to me, he's, he said, I have a number of spiritual teachers, but they said to me, relax into what is already present. And I thought that was a very beautiful, beautiful reminder. So as we enter 2021, relax into what is already present. And then we can carve different riverbeds together that are more alive and awakened for everybody. Beautiful. I love it. Relax into what's already present. To wrap it up, I it's usually already... ask my guests to share one piece of advice for the listeners. What would be yours? It's like, it's like the drop we spoke about in the beginning. So we begin with awakening ourselves, awakening our relationships, awakening our teams, organizations, communities, world. And we always begin with the smallest circle, which is ourselves and taking that one breath. So the invitation for everybody after hearing all of this stuff that we've been talking about strategy with soul, culture creation, change of capitalism, change to capitalism, change to uh, financial metrics, change, you know, begin with what is the smallest thing that you can do after listening to this podcast and take action. So what's your intention and what's your action around the smallest Thing. because ultimately it's all about the series of small acts that adds up to a bigger a bigger ripple exactly. for everybody Compound effect and the more of us will focus on who am i and what exactly i am doing and why the more we will create this compound effect the faster we will change the world for the better i believe Thanks so much, Catherine, for being on the show and sharing your wisdom. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks for having me, Anna. It's been a joy.
Thank you, dear listeners, for finding the time to join us today with Catherine for this talk about sustainable and healthy cultures, awakened companies, and the new form of capitalism. I really appreciate it, and I hope you like listening to it as much as we both loved working on it. As always, if you have any questions for me or Catherine, don't hesitate to reach out to us on LinkedIn. We are both easily findable, approachable. We reply our messages. Not sure about myself, but I try. If you like the podcast, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share on your favorite social media accounts, and leave a review if you can, if you want. Reading your reviews will make me very, very happy. And if you leave a review on our Podchaser page, I will reply to you in person as I always do. I always suggest some other related episodes that you could continue listening to expand your knowledge on the topic. And I'd like to draw your attention to the episode called Conscious Capitalism, Culture and Leadership with Johanna Lyman. Finally, reach out to me on LinkedIn, challenge me with your questions, suggest guests um, or topics you'd like me to cover in the future. And this was Sustainability Explored. And me, your host, Anna Chashina. Thank you again for listening, for being with us today and always. And until next time, next Thursday, take care, stay sustainable. Bye-bye.